NYB On The Run with your host, Katie Halley. This is your daily Bible blast, the perfect fit for your busy life. Just one chapter, one revelation. This will change your life. Hi, TYB on the run. Welcome to Isaiah 45. The reason I'm chosen to study Isaiah 45 is um, how controversial it is. <laughs> and here at TYB, we kind of like to jump into this controversy and see what it, see what we're going to wrestle with and wrestle the blessing out of it, just like Jacob wrestled with the man of God. Okay, so let's jump in Isaiah 45. This is what the Lord says to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I take hold of to subdue nations before him and to strip kings of their armor, to open doors before him so that gates will not be shut. I will go before you and will level the mountains. I will break down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. For the sake of Jacob, my servant, of Israel, my chosen, I summon you by name and bestow on you a title of honor, though you do not acknowledge me. I am the Lord and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no no God. I will strengthen you, though you have not acknowledged me, so that from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, people may know there is none besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. I form the light and create darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. You heavens above, rain down my righteousness. Let the clouds shower it down. Let the earth open wide. Let salvation spring up. Let righteousness flourish with it. I, the Lord, have created it. Woe to those who quarrel with their maker, those who are nothing but pots heard among the pots heard on the ground. Does the clay say to the potter, what are you making? Does your work say the potter has no hands? Woe to the one who says to a father, "Who have, what have you begotten? Or to a mother, what have you brought to birth? This is what the Lord says, the Holy One of Israel and its maker concerning things to come. Do you question me about my children or give me orders about the work of my hands? It is I who made the earth and created mankind on it. My own hands stretched out the heavens. I marshaled their starry hosts. I will raise up Cyrus in my righteousness. I will make all his ways straight. He will rebuild my city and set my exiles free, but not for a price or reward, says the Lord Almighty. This is what the Lord says, the products of Egypt and the merchandise of Cush and those um, tall Sabians, they will come over to you and will be yours. They will trudge behind you, coming over to you in chains. They will bow down before you and plead with you saying, surely God is with you and there is no other. There is no other God. Truly you are a God who has been hiding himself, the God and savior of Israel. All the makers of idols will be put to shame and disgraced. They will go off into disgrace together. But Israel will be saved by the Lord with an everlasting salvation. You will never be put to shame or disgraced to ages everlasting. For this is what the Lord says. He who created the heavens, he is God. He who fashioned and made the earth, he founded it. He did not create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. He says, I am the Lord and there is no other. I have not spoken in secret From somewhere in a land of darkness, I have not said to Jacob's descendants, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. Gather together and come. Assemble, you fugitives from the nations. Ignorant are those who carry about idols of wood, who pray to gods that cannot save. Declare what is to be. Present it. Let them take counsel together. Who foretold this long ago? Who declared it from the distant past? 
Was it not I, the Lord? And there is no God apart from me, a righteous God and a saviour. There is none but me. Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. By, my, by myself I have sworn, my mouth has uttered in all integrity a word that will not be revoked. Before me every knee will bow. By me every tongue will swear. They will say of me, in the Lord alone are deliverance and strength. All who raged against him will come to him and be put to shame. But all the descendants of Israel will find deliverance in the Lord and will make their boast in him. I chose this chapter to study, guys, because this is so controversial. (laughs) And as I said in the beginning, I kind of like wrestling with these controversial scriptures. Did you hear the repeat? The repeat over and again. Um, I am the Lord. There is no other. I am the Lord. There is no other. Notice the repeat. And I know I'm reading it to you and you're kind of not studying it out of a book, but you will notice, as I say, I am the Lord. There is no other. This incredible chapter in Isaiah 45 is controversial because of this. Isaiah is um, in the 8th century. So he is. He died in the 7th century. He um, prophesied in about 740s, um, around there. And he's prophesying all these incredible prophetic um, um, prophecies, beginning 1 to 39, judgment, um, and then 40 to 66, this, this essence of hope. And now some people actually believe that 1 to 39 was one Isaiah, And the second part, 40 to 66, is a second Isaiah, what they call a Deutero-Isaiah. This second Isaiah, kind of maybe in the school of the prophets of Isaiah, came in later and wrote all of the back end of these prophecies. Why? Why do they question this? Because Isaiah is prophesying around, you know, 700s, and King Cyrus doesn't come into play until 580 to 529 BC. So most people in their logical reasoning And he names, didn't he? Isaiah 45 names who is going to restore Israel. Now, if I jump back, guys, to um, the book of Ezra. Now, let me just quickly do this. So Ezra 1 says this, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia. Now, again, Isaiah is prophesying a Persian king and saying that God is with him, that God will, will level mountains before him, that God will use him. This is incredible in the thought of this this um, Isaiah, uh, sorry, Israel being God's alone. God, God only kind of um, takes care of Israel, and that's why God gets so frustrated with Israel because they're supposed to display His glory, and they don't. They get arrogant and proud, and He jumps in at that moment. He takes it personally because they're His people, like a mother and father takes personally the behavior of their child, and here. Isaiah is prophesying very clearly, and you can run this through in history. It's such an amazing text. You can run it through in history, and it's exactly what happened. (laughs) Now, I'm going to jump back just a little bit. So in Ezra 1, 1, it says, In the first year of King Cyrus, uh, Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah. Now, wait a second, Katie. That's Jeremiah, not Isaiah. Jeremiah also prophesied Cyrus. And here he doesn't actually say Isaiah, but we know that Isaiah prophesied also. Um, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and also put it in writing. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. This is, this is a Persian king. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of his people among you may go up to Jerusalem in Judah and build the temple of the Lord. This is significant because we know that Assyria took over Israel in 722 BC They um, and then Babylon took over 
um, sorry, Judah in 586, 587 BC. So we have these, these superpowers, Assyria, Babylon, that are conquering these areas and seemingly um, the enemy of Israel. Even Jonah doesn't want to go and preach to Nineveh because it's in Assyria and we hate Ninevans, Ninevites at that stage. But God is the God of the nations. And you can see how clearly in Isaiah, Isaiah is prophesying that God is not the God of just one nation. He's the God of the nations, pointing forth to the New Testament Gentiles to say, guys, get it in your head that he's not just about one one nation or one kingdom. He's across all of it. He uses each nation, nation for his glory. Now we have this moment in Ezra where King Cyrus, we know that Babylon fell to Persia um, and King Cyrus steps in and says, you know what? I'm actually going to get you back and restore Jerusalem. King Cyrus is used. Now we have what, uh, I'm not very good at, at maths, but maybe what, um, 190 years, let's say, um, between this prophecy and King Cyrus. And we've, so we've got 740s around in these prophecies and King Cyrus was born in about 580 um, before Christ. So 529 BC is his years. So we've got this time period where most people say this cannot be right. Isaiah cannot be prophesying that far in advance that accurately. And so what rationale academics has done is said, no, 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 it's got to be a second Isaiah, Deuteronomy Isaiah, second Isaiah, and he's come in after the fact and added to the text. This is a heartbreaking moment for academics and biblical scholarship. You know, we don't, let me jump back to Isaiah um, 44, and I didn't read this because I'm in 45. He says here in 44, um, and it says, uh, let me let me just get the sentence right here, guys, because I don't want to go um, mid-sentence. I hate going mid-sentence. 44, um, 24 says this, I am the Lord, the maker of all things, who stretches out the heavens, who spreads out the earth by, my, by myself. He's saying, I'm across all the nations, who foils the signs of false prophets and makes fools of diviners, who overthrows the learning of the wise and turns it into nonsense, who carries out the words of his servant and fulfills the the predictions of his messengers. Can you hear him? God is saying, I'm across the nations and I also am able to give my messengers predictions that are beyond your reasoning or understanding. Um, Who says of Jerusalem, it shall be inhabited of the towns of Judah. They shall be rebuilt and of their ruins, I will restore them. Who says to the watery deep, be dry and I will dry up your streams. Who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd and I will accomplish all that I please. He will save Jerusalem, let it be rebuilt. And of the temple, let its foundations be laid. Oh my goodness. So we have this kind of debate. Is, Is God a God of the prophetic? Could Isaiah get a message from God so accurate that it names the person? Could Isaiah get a message from God saying, you know what, I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm going to do? And unfortunately in our academic reasoning and unfortunately in our in our society that, that tells us that, that God can't do this and, and Isaiah couldn't have been predicting this, we build this, this deutero Isaiah around it. Now I'm not saying it's wrong. But I am saying it's sad that reasoning has to step into academics and biblical scholarship to the point where it just denotes and defies and almost takes out the concept of prophecy, the concept of our God giving a prophet a message that is that accurate. And I believe that my God is that accurate. I believe that that, that if this is Isaiah, that I believe my God would say, I'm going to give you his name. I'm going to give you exactly what happened. Because I can say that the, the prophecies of the, the Messiah Jesus is is not 
exactly, you know, naming him, but it's just as accurate. It's just as foretelling. It's just as prophetically accurate when we have a look at these these things. So I'm going to say Deutero, a second Isaiah, maybe, but I'm not, def- I'm not taking away the fact that my God is that accurate and Isaiah was that accurate in his prophetic vision that he didn't know exactly. And Isaiah is prophesying going, who the heck is this Cyrus? But, you know, just I love that moment where God gives you a prophecy and you have no idea. These prophets were prophesying and you have no idea the implications of what it's about to do. And I, I kind of love that sense of prophetic and the prophets. Okay, so he goes through, he says, this is what the Lord says to his anointed. Wow, hello. A Cyrus, wait a second, a king of Persia anointed by God, this is revolutionary, whose right hand I take hold of to subdue nations before him and to strip kings of their armor, to open doors before him so that gates will not be shut. I will go before you and will level the mountains. I will break down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. I will give you, can you hear, I will, I will, meaning what? This guy's appointed and anointed by God. Um, for the sake of Jacob, my servant of Israel, my chosen, I summon you by name and bestow on you a title of honor, though you do not acknowledge me. This is this moment where we kind of get a hint that Cyrus is not going to be from Israel. I am the Lord and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. This is this repeated term. I am the Lord. There is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. Or I will strengthen you, though you have not acknowledged me, so that from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, people may know there is none besides me. I am the Lord. There is no other. Oh, guys, again and again, you get this essence of strength that you need to know. He is your God. There is no other. He is your God. He's across the nations. He can take care of things. You know, you may be looking at your family situation and going, how is God going to take care of this? He used King Cyrus, a king of Persia, to do his will. He is not the God that is limited by your wisdom and by your understanding. And I think we need to kind of get a, a slap in the face over that. Sometimes I go, oh, God, this is how you're doing I remember I was wondering how my family was going to get saved, and I had a plan in place, and that plan just fell through. And I remember the moment where I was like, God, you're not listening to me this is how you were supposed to do it and I remember that moment of going wow Kate you've just completely limited your God your God is much bigger than that your God is greater than your wisdom your knowledge knowledge your understanding of how this situation is going to turn around what you got to do is start to get God's perspective like it said in our previous um, subject in um, Isaiah 40 that we studied you heavens above rain down my righteousness. Now, the term righteousness here, guys, is his integrity, his uprightness, his justice, his faithfulness, his morality. Um, and let the clouds shower it down. Let the earth open wide, let salvation spring up. Let righteousness flourish with it. It's kind of this essence of beautiful um, strength and power of God. I, the Lord, have created it. Oh, we just so immersed in this text. I'm so loving being immersed in this beautiful book and the strength of prophecy. Sometimes God can give you words for people. And I know the Holy Spirit will give me a word and I'm kind of scared of what I'm, what I'm about to say, but you do not know the impact of prophesying over somebody and just encouraging them like this prophecy. Isaiah didn't know the impact of this prophecy, which is about to pretty much set up their future. Jeremiah didn't know it either when he was prophesying. 
The same thing. I love this. This is what the Lord says, the Holy One of Israel. Again, remember that back in Isaiah, Isaiah got a revelation of a Holy One of Israel, a God who is above the nations, a God who is so holy that he couldn't, he was worried about his mouth. Do you remember that in Isaiah 6? So this, and it's maker. He keeps reminding um, Isaiah, it is I who made the earth and created mankind on it. My own hand stretched out the heavens. I marshaled their starry hosts. I will raise up Cyrus in my righteousness. Oh, don't you love this? I will make all his ways straight. He will rebuild my city and set my exiles free, but not for a price or reward, says the Lord Almighty. He's saying he's not going to do this for in his own benefit. He's going to do this because I, the Lord, am using his, him as an instrument. Now, you can keep going through this. He's, he talks about the products of Egypt and the merchandise of Cush, all these incredible details that Isaiah is prophesying. Truly, you are a God who has been hiding himself, the God and Savior of Israel. Now, I'm going to jump forward because we've only got um, four more minutes on this. I love this moment where he says, this is what the Lord says, um, he who created the heavens, he is God. He who fashioned and made the earth, he founded it. He did not create it to be empty but formed it. There's this hope in essence. There's this hope that, you know what, they go into exile but God has a redeemer. There is always redemption in the Bible. There is always a plan of redemption from Genesis. God is like, okay, they fell. We need to restore it. Bam. I will have a redeemer. He will crush his head. And and he knew about Jesus in Genesis 3.15. He prophesies it. He knows there's always a redemption plan. In your situation, there's always a plan of redemption. All things will work together for good for those who love God. In all things, it actually says. Meaning what? In the mess, there's always redemption. You've got to believe in that. And it says, gather together and come, assemble you fugitives from the nations. Ignorant are those who carry about idols. He's like, stop looking at your idols, guys. And the idolatry continues through the New Testament. And it's like, stop idolizing. But today we have idols. We have money as idols. We have securities, houses, jobs, cars. They're all idols that can be set as security in our life. And you know how you know they're idols? When they're gone, do you wig out? Do you freak out? When when you lose your job, do you wig out? Meaning, is your security in your job or your God? And that is a really good way to know about idols. If the money goes, do you freak out? And I'm not okay. No, you are okay because your God is your God. It says, declare what is to be. Oh my goodness. I love this. I'm getting too excited. I need to calm down. Declare what is to be. Present it. Let them take counsel together. Who foretold this long ago? He's prophesying almost people going back and saying, how did this happen? This can't happen. It must be second, you know, a Deutero Isaiah. He says, who foretold this long ago? Who declared from the distant past? Was it not I, the Lord, and there is no God apart from me, a righteous God and a saviour? There is none but me. Turn to me and be saved, all, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn my mouth has uttered in all integrity. Or this is this righteousness sound, a word that will not be revoked. Before me, every knee will bow. By me, every tongue will swear. They will say of me, in the Lord alone are our deliverance and strength. That's what you need to say, TYB, this morning. In the Lord alone is my deliverance and my strength. All who have raged against him will come to him and be put to shame. But all the descendants of Israel will find deliverance in the Lord and will make their boast in him. This beautiful text, this beautiful prophecy that so many people have come in and torn apart. Now, you know what? Deuteronomy Isaiah, 2nd Isaiah, 
Uh, maybe, but you know what? I am not going to stop the prophecy of God being predominant in my life. I am not going to use my brain to disengage this text and make it normal and natural. Just because you don't understand it and it's supernatural doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Just because your finite brain doesn't understand an infinite God, don't bring God down to your finite brain. That's what I'm saying, Christians. Don't bring God down and say, well, we've got to work out maybe there's a second Isaiah and maybe he's prophesying. Um, you know, after Cyrus, that's why it's so accurate. Oh my goodness, is your God that limited that he cannot give Isaiah a prophecy that foretold and goes beyond time because your God is beyond time. So as in your lives, guys, this is the message of Isaiah 45. Do not bring your God down to your level. (laughs) Do not think that your God has to come down to your natural brain because your God is above. And he keeps saying that I created you. I created all of this. Come up to my perspective. Don't think that I have to come down to you. You come up to my perspective and see that I could prophesy Cyrus. I could give Jeremiah again exactly the same 70 years that they'll be in in um, exile and this is what's going to happen. I am the God and Yahweh is the God who is across all nations, all time. He is um, infinite, omnipotent. He is above all things and this beautiful, incredible moment, don't bring your God down to your level, come up to his perspective. And that is why Isaiah 45 is all about.